0: Leicester Square is John Vallega. How are you doing?
1: I am good. I am I am very, very good. I'm in my hometown, London. I'm a boy from Peckham. And I'm in a Star Wars
2: movie. <laughs> <laughs> bro,
3: bro, bro, bro. You? you gotta
2: get a
0: camera to my people. Turn the camera, turn the camera. <laughs> I'm here to walk. I'm in the wall. Hey!
3: Oh yeah, look, look, look guys, I'm here to celebrate. God Gun- damn it. I'm here to celebrate. Uh This is Star Wars, people. This is the biggest franchise of all time. This is a movie that I've lived with all my life, and I'm a big part of it. And I'm so happy to be here in my hometown, in the place where I was born, London.
0: Yes. I had a question, but who cares? Ladies and gentlemen, it's John Boyega. Round of applause. Thank you. Thank you, mate. Thanks, mate.
2: Welcome to episode 172 of Gundam at MHQ. This is one of your hosts, Chris, and I'm joined, as always, by Sobro. What is happening, y'all? But not Neo, because <laughs> if you heard last episode, he is uh, on an extended sabbatical due to his job. So we shall carry on in his name.
3: We'll we'll we'll, we'll keep the uh, we'll keep the spirit of survey alive, kind of. <laughs>
2: There will be some changes.
3: Oh my goodness. I've, 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 I'm, I'm excited to hear.
2: So, tonight we have one topic, an extended look, actually our first look at the General's favorite series, Ooh. Gundam Iron-Blooded Orphans.
3: I'm sure he's, he's, he's enraptured with it.
2: <laughs> so we're going to be doing our first roundup of this series, and it's going to be episodes one through five. Sweet. But before that we have to do the news and of course you can drop your news items in the neos list submitted news thread in the sub form on mechatalk.net please try to stay on topic make sure that someone hasn't posted the same news that you are posting so sober i'm going over to the larry king memorial news desk you are the king you are the king and i'm I'm detecting a, a temporal distortion. Oh, no. What, what could that be? Uh, it, there seems to be a, a broadcast coming in. I don't know what's going on here. oh And now the listener news. <laughs> Our first item comes from Vent Noir. <laughs> Via the Anime News Network. Gundam Global Challenge winners aim to make life-size statue move. <laughs> Dateline Tokyo, our boys are after Tojo. <laughs> Still? <laughs> Gundam Global Challenge is a competition that tasks individuals making an 18 meter tall, I don't know what the metric system is, 59 feet. That's what a proper man uses. Gundam statue on Tokyo's Odaiba Island move in the year 2019.
3: <laughs> Must be the future.
2: <laughs> Proposal submission opened last year, and four individuals' plans were selected.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Not bad. It's crazy. The future. Yeah. The 21st century.
3: The fact that we're gonna get it to move, man. I-, I don't know whether to be excited or scared. <laughs>
2: What wonders will man create next?
3: Oh my God! They're actually working on balancing the way it walks and moves, and the legs, and how they move, and all that stuff. I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little freaked out. But uh, we'll see what happens, man. What does, what does this mean for mankind? Does it mean we're going to be uh, thrust deep into a mobile suit war in, uh, in, in 40 years, or, or will we just have a, a one by, a, a one to one, super gun plow that can move around? <laughs>
2: Perhaps someday a man will even walk on the moon.
3: Who knew? (laughs) Now you're talking craziness.
2: The next story comes from Digan UAB via Bleeding Cool. Mm. UN Special Envoy calls on Japan to ban child sex images in comics. Manga translator defends Moe art style and asks Japan to stand up for free speech against Western critique. (laughs)
3: I guess this has been the only good
2: Maud thing. Go ahead. The UN's special envoy on child protection has called on Japan to ban outright comic depictions of child sexual acts, filthy perversion. <laughs> <laughs> it's filth. Dirty filth. It's pretty.
3: pretty t- it's It's. It's. I. I. guess it's a cultural thing, man. Because I know. I know people who will outright stand up for Moe and say it's not that, and it's all about a, a perspective on what. What the. What what the what how old the character actually is and how young they look, but yeah, it's something about it that puts me off personally. But like I said, I'm I'm not judging anyone who's I guess into way but I, outside of Japan, that's gotta be I, for for someone like uh, Maude, I I suppose it's it's a little off putting because all she can see it as is uh she can see it as is a uh, child pornography, and I don't know, I I don't really dabble in that myself, so I don't really know too much about uh the whole moe scene or whatever but uh i know not all of it is 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 meant to be like nefarious sounding like what she might be making it out to be
2: that filth should only come from the country that hit us on december 7th (laughs) that's another reason for our boys to go after him
3: oh tojo you bastard
2: (laughs) next up is ea net dude with a story from collider Straight Outta Compton screenwriter to rewrite DreamWorks' Ghost in the Shell. Ooh. Jonathan Herman has been hired to overhaul the script for Rupert Sanders' live-action adaptation starring Scarlett Johansson. That broad's got great gams, you know? Oh, boy.
3: <laughs> she sure does.
2: It says here, previous drafts of Ghosts in the Show were penned by William Wheeler and Jamie Moss. But apparently, DreamWorks felt it prudent to do more significant work before filming begins in New Zealand early next year. Herman has experience in this department, as he also performed a serious rewrite on Straight Outta Compton that finally got the film ready for production. The film is supposed to start shooting by February 2016 in the far future. (laughs) So far.
3: I don't know if we'll live that long. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> the next story comes from lightning count via the anime news network mm. full metal panic will be getting a new anime adaptation
3: Ooh, nice
2: Fujimi Shobo announced the Fantasia Bunko Big Thanksgiving 2015 event on Saturday that plans for a new anime adaptation of Shojai Gato and Shikiduji Full Metal Panic Light Novel series are underway. The announcement did not give any further details about the anime project. Hmm.
3: Glad to hear it's coming. Um, hey, it's been a long time coming, man. I, I've watched... Full Metal Panic not not too long ago, about a year and some change ago, and I uh, watched it to its entirety. And uh, I, it sucks that I ended on kind of a cliffhanger. And know that the books have been out, the books have been out there for a while, man. Uh, it's good to see it's finally going to be adapted, uh, I, hopefully to its uh, to its finale. But uh, I guess we'll see.
2: The only Full Metal Panic that I know is the one we'll be giving the Japs when we start <laughs> nailing them from our fleet in the Pacific.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that retribution! <laughs>
2: Our next item comes from listener Tochairo. Ooh, nice. Gundam Thunderbolt anime adaptation announced. Mm -hmm. Teaser website launched. Gundam Thunderbolt is a manga written by Yasuo Atagakai, (laughs) published by Shaga Kakukan, and serialized in Big Comic Superior since March 2012.
3: Man, it hasn't been around a long time, man. It hasn't been around for that long at all, man. That's, that's pretty cool. They're adapting a, a manga, man. I, 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 No one knows, if I guess, if it's going to be an OVA or a TV show. I, I guess that's still up for grabs. Is that right?
2: I don't know what those are.
3: <laughs> <laughs> then we'll just live in suspense.
2: <laughs> Next up, an item from listener But Man for hmm. first look at Macross Delta PV. Nice,
3: man. That trailer is awesome, by the way. Um, if you haven't seen it, it's on YouTube. Just look up uh, Macross Delta trailer if you have to, or if you're uh, in the news section at uh, mechatalk.net. Uh, click on the link on this uh, particular entry and check that out, man. It's a really great trailer.
2: And similarly, from listener Tochairo via the Anime News Network, all the details on Macross Delta to date. Sweet. The streamed Chojaiku Saisaku Hapio <laughs> Event debuted the staff, characters, new idols, new Valkyrie designs, new key visuals, and teaser video for the Macross Delta television anime on Friday. Minori Sasaki, the 18-year-old winner of the newest Macross singer auditions from Aichi Prefecture... We'll play Freja Wyant, an aspiring idol who is full of spirit and who is always smiling. Five girls formed the tactical sound unit Walkuri, the first major songstress group in the Macross anime franchise. Mm. Macross seven had the Jamming Birds group, and the Macross Digital Vision VFX game had the group Milky Dolls. Oh, so Milky. So- While Kuri Group battles the VA syndrome that is consuming the galaxy, Mm -hmm. and there is also the mysterious Aerial Knights Valkyrie Fighter team of the Kingdom of Wind. Shojai Kawamori is credited as the original (laughs) creator with Studio Nue, and he is also serving as the chief director, blah blah blah, Japanese people. (laughs) (laughs) Damn it.
3: That's great news, man. Um, I, 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 we've been waiting for this for a while. They, I guess they announced it last year that, uh, that a series was being worked on, but really didn't show as much. And now we finally get a trailer, man. Um, I'm jazzed, man. I cannot wait to watch this show, especially after seeing the trailer and the new mecha designs. I, I'm not really crazy about the uh, character designs, but I will say uh, the mecha designs are on point, and um, it's good to see the uh, Zentradi battle pods come back, including the uh, commander, or captain model, so um, and the design of the, uh, the SDF in this series looks pretty cool, too. So it's just good to see them actually uh, living on a planet and having colonized a place as opposed to being drifting through space. So that's that's a, something uh, we I don't think we've seen since uh, Macross Plus. And that's such a short series that it's just nice to see a TV series that uh, gives us that setting. So i um, looking forward to that preview.
2: Wow, so that was so weird. That old timey radio guy just like cutting in, and it's yeah. like I couldn't, hear, I couldn't hear anything that you were saying. Oh my goodness.
3: <laughs> well, what are your thoughts on the Macross uh, Macross Delta uh, trailer, real quick? I mean, from what you've seen and what you've uh, uh, read since uh, they dropped that information.
2: Where's the m- mega road? Oh no! <laughs>
3: <laughs> I'm sure we'll get an answer. Never. <laughs> oh man. But yeah, they um I'm sure people are wondering where it's Hikara and Misa, but they said time and time again we're never gonna get uh the their story is pretty much over and we we'll just assume that they uh they settled somewhere and uh hopefully had a happy after life. falling into
2: the, the black hole. Yeah, exactly.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping they live happily ever after, man. Uh that's that's pretty much all we can hope for in mid May too. So we'll see. We'll see.
2: Well, it's it's uh, generally if you fall into a black hole, mm-hmm. things don't work out for you unless uh, you're Matthew McConaughey.
3: Mm. Exactly, man.
2: <laughs> so I, I watched the the trailer, and you know I'm I'm not one to rush to judgment, um, but what I see is just the same damn thing that happens every time. So you can call this a, a mini bus, mini straight talk. Okay. And also the same with Gun and Thunderbolt. All right. Uh, I'm getting really sick and tired of people uh, getting their underwears all in a bunch because um, the thing that they personally are expecting is not the thing that gets made, and thus they are angry at it. Oh, man. So uh, I'm getting pretty tired of with Macross. There's always someone who goes on about the Mega Road. There's always someone who says, why don't they animate the first uh, there's always someone who's like, oh, this is more moe lolly crap that's killing the industry. Oh. Cause this is why anime's dying and blah, 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 <laughs> And someone was saying on a comment somewhere that um, he was disappointed because he wanted something like Macross Plus. And I'm thinking to myself... Well, who told you that you should expect anything like Macross Plus?
3: Yeah. It's like, what, what gave you an inclination that that was going to be the story?
2: There hasn't <laughs> been anything like Macross Plus since Macross, Macross Plus. Plus. <laughs> because even though Macross Zero seemed like it was going in the same route that first episode, it, it got pretty like mystical with all the woo-woo and the tree-hugging pretty fast. So yeah. it was definitely not Macross Plus. Not at all. So, if you want Macross Plus, my advice to you is go watch Macross Plus.
3: I mean, it, it's still good. <laughs> you got us go back and check it out. I want something new. I want a new I want something that I've, I haven't seen yet in Macross and since they take their time making a Macross city, series it gives them plenty of time to drop new concepts and new storylines on us. So, I don't want an, I don't I don't want them to go back and rehash old storylines. I don't I wouldn't mind a Macross the first OVA or something like that, but if it's a new series with a new name, I expect it to be new.
2: <laughs> yes. the thing about Karamori is mm-hmm. he always moves forward.
3: Yes, absolutely.
2: He doesn't go backward, and even the one time that he was zero, he went back to before the original series and had a story that was completely unrelated to it. So we know that this show takes place in 2067, Mm -hmm. so he's just going to keep moving forward. As long as he is involved with Macross, there's never going to be anything going back to the SDF era.
3: Exactly. Uh, I, I mean, as far as he doesn't like to revisit stuff unless he does like a remake of one of his properties, and I think the last time he actually did that. Was, uh, no, I'm probably wrong, but I was thinking Escafloni was the last time he revisited something that he made. But even then, he, he reinterpreted it through a new prism. Or the, the, same the uh,
2: Frontier movies, which were a yeah, vastly right. different story.
3: Absolutely. They, 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 that's the a series. far more newer example. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, so people need to just stop expecting things that are not going to happen. Uh, along the same lines, um, Gundam fans. <laughs> oh, please. For God's sakes, shut the hell up about Crossbone. Oh my God, people. It is such an overrated story. It's okay. It's not that great. But people ranting about it so much makes me want to see it never happen even more.
3: Oh, damn.
2: stop talking about Sentinel stop talking about Hathaway's Flash stop talking about Gaia Gear none of you have read most of these stories because most of them are not available in English you're just looking at mecha designs on MHQ maybe you read about those series on the Gundam Project back in the day mm. We read about Gundam Wiki but that doesn't mean that they're good it doesn't mean that they should be adapted so please shut the hell up about all of these damn series oh my god it's so tiresome
3: they um I, I, people always make these demands that you know just sometimes don't 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 fit in the purview of where Gundam is now and uh i mean those those books exist if if someone translates them you can read them or I, I guess learn Japanese and read them yourself but i uh, mean
2: <laughs> you, you can get you can get across the original crossbone that's that's been scanlated and and the other series have been scanlated too i'm not mm-hmm. sure about how far ghosts is mm-hmm. um someone translated sentinel you could read that you can find it through the methods network oh yeah uh as for guy gear and hathaway's flash well you're shadow luck and who cares who cares about these ancient freaking stories that uh only survive through cameo appearances in video games let these damn things go sunrise is not going to bother with these ancient shows in case y'all haven't noticed so we are now up to three adaptations of uh printed material whether manga or novel mm-hmm. you want to you want to guess what the common thread is between all three of those adaptations soul bro what's that they're all from the 21st century <laughs> you want to guess what the common thread is between all of these things that people are demanding oh they are from at least 20 years ago <laughs> they're all from the 20th century who knew <laughs> <laughs> god who freaking knew I
3: I think you know, it was a better chance of it happening back when those books and whatnot came out. Just like Unicorn. That got adapted pretty quickly after the books hit the streets. So, you know, it was
2: I'm I'm pretty sure given all of the effort that Sunrise put into uh, Unicorn mm-hmm. by having Kotoki do the designs and having Yaz do the character designs, they probably intended to adapt that into anime from the beginning.
3: It seems like it had had that kind of pushed uh, behind and it.
2: And there's a sort of a similar pedigree Behind Thunderbolt, because uh, the guy doing the manga is well-known, and it's got super, super, super detailed mecha designs. I don't know anything about the story. I haven't read it. It's been uh, partially scanned lately. It's up to six volumes now in Japan. Oh, nice. So, I don't know how much they're going to... um be adapting. We don't know the format. We don't know how many I'm sure it'll be like Origin and Unicorn, probably something like two OVAs per year, and they will be screened in theaters and there'll be Blu-rays and blah 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 <laughs> and the streaming. But oh my god people, it's not your freaking crossbone. Please stop talking about crossbone. It does not deserve that much oxygen. <laughs>
3: I mean, I, I'll be honest with you. I like Crossbone, and I, I like when it shows up in video games and stuff like that. But, um, again, uh, when it comes down to it, I'd rather see something new, a new concept, um, be brought to light. Um, it's cool that Thunderbolt's being uh, animated. Uh, again, as you mentioned, they they may have had that uh, idea from the get-go. And it's just something they wanted to get out in manga form first to see how well it did before they animated it. So, I'm glad to hear it's getting adapted. Uh, people who are fans of that will finally get to see that uh Animated, uh, and I am uh, interested to see where that goes from here.
2: Like, I don't particularly care about Thunderbolt one way or another, and of course, I'll watch it. My only thing going into it is don't suck. Yeah, that's, that's my it. only expectation <laughs> because I see all these complaints whenever there's a new Gundam or a new Macross thing, and it's not what people want. Um, you know, I, I've seen this happen every single time there's a new Macross announcement, and it's on display even more so with Delta because of its very modern look Mm character-wise. And people want something from Macross that Macross is not going to give them. And I think um, the problem is, when thinking about this, is that obviously a lot of us Western Macross fans came into the franchise via Robotech. Absolutely. Which, for the Macross portion, is basically the same story, but there are some differences. Mm -hmm. And I think the biggest difference is the tone of the two, because robotech macross through the lens of robotech is much more about uh american militarism yeah and everything else is de-emphasized case in point Mm -hmm. uh take episode 27 both the robotech and macross the final battle against the zentradi right uh the episode in macross is called love drifts away
0: Mm -hmm.
2: robotech it's called force of arms yeah it's true that's very true in Macross, the song that Minmay sings is also called "Love Drifts Away." Mm-hmm. Robotech, it's called "We, we will, will Win."
0: win.
2: <laughs> Very different tones. That's just one example, but I think people have in their mindset the the poisoning of Robotech, what they expect Macross shows to be, and they complained about it with Seven. They complained about it with Zero. They complained about it with Frontier. Complained about it with Delta that you know is not what they want. It's like, well, if a franchise consistently gives you not what you want, mm-hmm. maybe you shouldn't be watching that franchise. <laughs> you know, if you want your dirty old men with their gritty war drama and and uh, they're spitting out their chewing tobacco, <laughs> maybe Macross is not for you.
3: Well, on the same side of the coin, I would tell people to expand their horizons. You know, sometimes it doesn't have to be what you expect for you to find enjoyment in it. You know, yeah, and
2: I say this as someone who used to have this attitude early on in mm-hmm. in my mecha fandom of I was dismissive of Gundam Wing, Across Seven, mm-hmm. uh, I was dismissive of Turn A, I was dismissive of G Gundam, and then I learned the error of my ways because I was able to accept all of those series for what they were and not for what I wanted them to be. Exactly. And you know, if you're complaining about uh, groups of idol singers and Macross and blah 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 blah, um, wh- wh- what do you think the original <laughs> series was <is> about? <laughs> they must yeah, have lost the original plot. series was around <laughs> during the idol craze of Japan, mm-hmm. and now it's idol groups like AKB48, which hey, Kawamori directed the anime of exactly. S- so macross is just keeping with the times as it always has mm-hmm. it's always been about idol singers except for zero and to lesser extent seven which was about j-rock but it's all about music and love winning out at the end of the day that's the theme that runs through every single macross yeah. not american militiz- and militarism militarism <laughs> shoot the aliens
3: yeah it, it, music's always been a character in macross you can't Take that out of it. Otherwise, it's no longer Macross. I'm sorry. It just isn't. So, I mean, if you're looking for Robotech, then engage yourself in Robotech, uh, uh, novels or comics or whatnot. Cause you're not going to get that in, uh, Macross. It's, it's always been its own thing. It's carrying on the tradition of the first series that ever came out. And if you see it through that Robotech lens, and this is going for someone who loves Robotech, if you've seen it through the Robotech lens, then I'm sorry, but you came to the wrong place. <laughs> yeah pretty much <laughs> that's that's i'm sorry for you You just gonna have to uh accept it or move on it's up to
2: you so uh so bro i want to continue with the news oh, uh, hopefully with no no uh temporal distortions no, the, the, well by all means go for it um and and we have a little slight change uh we're gonna be doing the the robophilia news oh, in tribute to our benevolent new overlords it's time to bow down And this one comes, down, comes from Philly Gundam fan via Z News, and he says: Bug-sized robot has been created by Harvard engineers. Uh, for the first time, scientists have designed an insect-like robot smaller than a paperclip that can both fly and swim, paving the way for future dual aerial, aquatic robotic vehicles. Ooh. The Robo B, designed. In postdoctoral fellow Robert J. Woods' lab is a micro robot smaller than a paperclip that flies and hovers like an insect, flapping its tiny, nearly invisible wings 120 times per second. Oh wow! Good lord! <laughs> that that uh, sounds pretty damn cool, and I am excited by any and all applications <laughs> of this technology.
3: I'm so excited I won't be able to sleep tonight, out of fear. <laughs> <laughs>
2: And next up is Burtman 4 with a story from the BBC. Yamaha unveils motorcycle riding robot. Yamaha Motors has revealed it's developing a robot designed to ride any racing motorbike at high speeds. Mm -hmm. The Japanese company unveiled a prototype at the Tokyo Motor Show. At present, it's reliant on human operators, but in time, the firm plans to have the Android make its own decisions about the best course and speed to achieve the race time around a track.
3: What's the closer to Skynet.
2: <laughs> Forget Skynet. I want Mospeedas. Oh,
3: shit. Well, that means just um, robots that turn into motorbikes. <laughs> <laughs> or vice versa, man. Uh, robotic suits, man. I would like Mospeedas myself, man. Those are the coolest looking, one of the coolest looking mecha of all time is the Cyclone. My God. I want one of those. Damn it. <laughs> I'll never be able to ride it, but I uh, wouldn't mind it being parked in my garage. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and uh lastly Soulbro it's time for uh that that guy's movies uh, that Alert.
3: guy's that guy's movies yeah, it's time guy. oh my god sound the alarm michael
2: bay michael bay oh my god that's bullshit what the dude can we uh bring the brewskis and this one comes from listener uh I'm- i don't know who the hell that guy is who could this be Via Collider, new red and green band trailers for thirteen hours. Because hey, folks, haven't you um, not heard enough about Benghazi yet? Oh my gosh!
3: Well, I I just want to fill my 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 day listening to new uh, news and uh and uh, developments about Benghazi and Hillary Clinton and, and all that nonsense. <laughs>
2: and don't you want to know what Michael Bay's? Uh, your blindly pro-American, uh, propagandistic view of that, uh, event will be. Oh my goodness.
3: I-, I will say this, the trailer looks good, but of course his trailers always look good, and then you go see the movie and... Uh, yeah. Then you get that reveal, but
2: um. I mean, given given the hard on this guy has for the American military. Yeah. I, I think we know that there's not going to be much uh, subtlety or nuance or layers of gray in this movie. Maybe not. It's all gonna be. It's all gonna be uh, bad brown people shoot the brown people. America. America. America.
3: Explosions. I just, I just want to see exactly how it was done, and uh,
2: I'm pretty sure I've summed up the entire movie. <laughs> Sorry
3: Nico. <laughs> yeah, movie reviews with Chris <laughs> but um, i it, it looks good I, I gotta say it looks good it looks well acted yeah and um it look I it, good. the red the red and green brand trailers are not really that much different just watch the red band trailer but um they cut a nice trailer I will probably check it out when it comes out next year just to see exactly how it is but uh i do like it when michael bay tries different things he does have a hard-on for american military yeah there's no way around that but i'd rather have him direct a movie like this than another transformers movie which sadly you is know happening. he always
2: is gonna do transformers oh yeah he's, he's already he's, on 45 he's, like he's like the kojima of transformers <laughs> movies he keeps saying he's not gonna do anymore and then paramount just you know dumps trucks of diamonds in his pool <laughs>
3: We'll see. We'll see you, cause you're mad. Metal Gear Six, Solid Six.
2: <laughs> yeah. So you know, even if this is a good movie, I, I just can't bring myself to give two shits about it because I don't, I don't care about Benghazi. I have never cared about Benghazi. It's completely an overblown situation, and God help us if Hillary Clinton is the nominee mm-hmm. next year, 2016 will be the year of Benghazi. So oh. I don't want to hear even more about it. Before going into that event.
3: Yeah, I, 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 this, this movie is well-timed in regards to the election. But yeah, um, I, I've already reached my fill of that uh, whole controversy behind it. Not not the tragedy that happened there, but the controversy since then. about the, that. And
2: it's just movies about current events. I just can't bring myself to care about them because we live in this 24-hour media cycle. I, to this day, have never seen a single 9-11 movie. Neither have I, actually. I can't I bring back. myself to watch them. An Iraq or Afghanistan movie, not because it's so tragic and it brings b- bad memories, blah blah blah, mm-hmm. but it's just it's, it's ever present in the news. Like you're never allowed to forget none of them because there's always some politician or some pundit bloviating about it and always using it to invoke fear. And I'm just tired of hearing about that. Same thing with Benghazi. I just I don't care. Nothing will ever make <laughs> me care. Okay. Least of all Survey: Yeah. Sorry,
3: Survey. Sir Michael,
2: go go make something else like uh, Pain and Gain or, you know, back in the days when you did smaller action movies like The Rock. Or or Bad Boys 3.
3: People keep pontificating about that. But uh, you should definitely go back to your roots and do a movie like that again. But we'll see. Uh, In the meantime, this movie comes out in January, guys. And if you feel like seeing it, man, go out and check it out, man. I know Neil will be there first in line.
2: Yes, he will. and then then transformers guys
0: yeah Yeah. transformers
2: oh I know the world is so hyped for that well China is they should have sent the transformers to Libya transformers would take down those bitches any day any day (laughs) I know what I would do if I was there oh my gosh (laughs) did did you see that reference I made there that roundabout reference I did (laughs) but you did I'm sure somebody else did too oh my goodness fun times so that is the end of the news so please continue to submit that to us and we will take a quick break before getting into our main topic of the Gundam Orphan Kid Guys you're listening to Gundam at MHQ
0: This is Stephanie Shea, and you're listening to Gundam at MAHQ.
1: In a world where vivid flashbacks can strike without warning. In a world where a submissive adolescent must pilot a giant humanoid robot to save humanity. In the same world where a two-legged quadruped can run leisurely at the speed of sound with the heat of jewelry. only one podcast can discuss this with their sanity intact and this is not that podcast www.ssapodcast.com the ass backwards anime podcast oh wait I was supposed to use that voice in the beginning Uh, let's go again From a time
3: long ago, in a basement far away. There comes a time
1: when there's only one hero to protect us all from the trolls, warranted and unwarranted.
0: Is it him?
1: Against Gundam Sea Destiny. It appears destiny is firmly on my side. What? There stands a man who alone will defend the
3: honor of said show for all to enjoy.
0: You're something that shouldn't have been allowed to exist, boy! Just shut up!
3: His name
2: rings out and is like curses to those evil to yours.
1: If people learned of your existence, they would want to be just as you are! That name? CHAMMAN 025, DEFENDER OF DESTINY! You shouldn't blame me! This is mankind's dream! Mankind's desire!
3: Mankind's destiny! Coming this fall on WSBR, your home for DVR hits. Wow,
0: this is pretty cool. They blew up my car! They blew up my car! They blew up my car! Gun damn shame! They blow up my goddamn car, and all you got to say is a gun damn shame! No car, no money, you're having a bad day! That's it! I'm through with you, man! I'm calling some motherfucking homies, I'm getting a loan, and I'm stepping the f off!
2: Welcome back to Gundam at MEHQ. This is our main topic tonight. We're going to be looking at the first five episodes of Gundam Iron-Blooded Orphans, the latest alternate universe TV series, airing now in Japan and streaming around the world through various websites, Hulu, Daisuke, YouTube, uh, take your pick, depending on your territory. It uh, it all varies with the standard IP blocks and other fun stuff that Sunrise likes doing. Mm-hmm. So, in contrast to uh, earlier reviews of TV series, I don't want to get into too huge, detailed plot synopsis, because you've probably already seen the show, maybe you've read my reviews, maybe you, whatever, and I don't want to spend so much time talking about uh, the plot. So... Or summarizing the plot. So I'm just going to give a very brief rundown, and then we're going to get into our comments. So first, though, some background. Uh, this new series is directed by Tatsuyuki Nagai, who has worked on uh, Idol Master Xenoglossia, and written by Mario Okada, who previously worked on the Lupin Fujiko TV series. Oh, nice. Yes. Um, you got a bunch of Gundam veterans coming back on the character designs. Um on the mecha designs, you've got uh, dudes from Reconquista and Double O. And there's a very clear Double O vibe moving throughout this show. So oh, yeah. let's move into it. It's set in the year post-disaster 323 on Mars. And it's been over three centuries since the Calamity War between Earth and Mars. And Mars, uh, in essence, is a shithole. <laughs> and that's the... Uh... That's a delicate way of putting it.
3: Bombed out and depleted.
2: <laughs> Pretty. Yeah. You need to get your ass to Mars. <laughs> and then and immediately want to leave. And <laughs> you go, get your ass back to Earth. <laughs> There's no air here on Mars. It's going on, Cohagen? <laughs> I can't breathe. <laughs> None of that. Uh, the plan's been terraformed. So, episode one, Iron and Blood. Uh, we open, actually, in the year 315 with uh, two kids, uh, Mikazuki August and Orga Itzka. And Mikazuki has uh, killed somebody. We don't know who or for, for what reason. Mm-hmm. But uh, he's following Orga around. Eight years later, they are members of CGS, which is a PMC in the Chris Autonomous Region, or Christ, I don't, who knows? Who cares? (laughs) And they are considered disposable by the adults there. In fact, some of them are what's known as human debris, which is just a fancier word for slave. Damn. And. They get contracted for a job to transport a young lady named Kudelia Ina Bernstein to Earth because she is advocating for Mars's independence from the Earth sphere. Mm-hmm. And before they can leave, they get attacked by Gallarhorn, which is the you know, armed enforcer for the Earth's four economic blocks that uh, keeps the peace, or obviously in this case, keeps the oppression up. <laughs> And with all of that in place, they maintain the status quo. And they pretty much are the only ones who have mobile suits because CGS uses crappy uh, little mobile worker tanks that have direct pilot machine interfaces with these implants called the Alaya Vijnana system. And you have to get this painful, dangerous surgery to uh, have this implant put in and let you interface with the machine and control it more fluidly than you could without. Mm-hmm. So, Gallerhorn attacks. They uh, are on a mission to kill Kudelia because her dad sold her out. Nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> Father <to> of the Year. <laughs> yeah father of the year and then at the end of the episode we have the dramatic appearance of the gundam barbatos which is a relic of the calamity war piloted by mikazuki and he takes down the attacking greys and uh surprises everybody so what were your thoughts through this first episode
3: i thought it was definitely brisk paced um it It does a very good job, too, of introducing you to all the characters, especially the kind of shocking opening scene where you you mentioned that uh, Mika and Orga have just killed somebody in that back alley. And you don't even know the context of the murder. But um, when I saw that... I had the feeling that if they don't address this now, it's going to come up later. Maybe the ramifications of who they killed may eventually creep into the series. And that makes me wonder exactly what was the uh, context behind that. You know, why did they have to do it? Uh, and then slowly but surely, you find out the fact that Mars is a fight su- for survival for kids. Uh, who are either um, made slaves or, you know, uh, brought into the military against their will. These kids aren't even educated, as you'll find out next episode. But um, it reminded me kind of the child soldiers of uh, Africa, you know, that whole thing where people were just dragged into this. And I keep getting that vibe as I watch this show um, that these kids are kind of just impressed into the into the military um, and they're treated as if they're. Pawns on the chessboard, man. <laughs> as uh, as even the uh, the uh, the the older group of uh, the first core um, treats them as such, and kind of leaves them up for uh, leaves them up for grabs when they decide to flee and take all the money with them. The characters, though, are pretty compelling. Uh, Mika, Orga. I really like Orga, although I know he can't be trusted. But he definitely has got a. Uh, he uses his tool between his two shoulders. He's, he's very intelligent and uh, tries to stay a step ahead of the situation. Uh, Mika is his pretty much his tool for destruction, and will do anything this man asks. And I got to know why that is, and I'm sure the series will actually get into that as we go along. Kudelia. I, I like her character. She kind of gave me a vibe of, uh, Marina from O, or, um, what's her name from, uh, Gundam Wing, uh, Rolina. Rolina. Yeah. At first, but you can see that she's really selfless and, um, maybe she's a little bit naive when it comes to, you know, how, how dangerous the, the stance she's taking is going to be. Um, especially when, uh, in, uh enlisting these children to actually try to defend her. You know, these kids are, they, they may be, uh, they may be inexperienced, but they, they seemed to, to carry themselves well. And, um, her, her re- interactions with Mika was pretty funny. Uh, when he decided not to shake her hand because his hand was dirty and she, he sees her as this, this, this person who, who might, oh, he, I guess he thinks that maybe he's below her or, or she's be- beneath him. I'm not sure exactly what, um, it was all, all about, but, uh, the fact that he's kind of off put, he's put off by her and really doesn't think she should be there because she's endangering them all by being there. I thought that was really good. Um, the English in the series is pretty top-notch. Uh, if, if Mark Simmons is working on this, it's definitely showing. <laughs> um, you notice all the English in the background at the protest, and as you'll see later in the series, they, it's not even English. It's English. So uh, i got to give a tip of the cap to the people who uh, who are making that happen in this series. I guess they finally wisened up to the fact that people around the world are watching this series now, especially native English speakers. So <laughs> it was a uh, it's good to see it. It, put the it, good it only
2: took them how many decades to get this? I know. <laughs> Better late than never, I suppose.
3: Yo, I, I'm assuming Mark Simmons is working on this. But uh, if he is, man, uh, props to him for, for, for working uh, and making sure that happens. Uh, I know we joked about Biscuit. Uh, what's that <laughs> we, j- we talked about biscuit uh earlier on when we first saw him, and uh we we, we assumed he might be a Sobros man because he 's kinda chubby and he looks like sidekick material, but this kid is capable sign <laughs> holy shit um, when orgets Primus had him uh not only secure Cudelia but also uh make sure that um, that the mines were put out on the battlefield and also uh, set up those flares to kind of expose the first uh, the first core. You know, that was really awesome that, you know, you had, you had Biscuit doing all of this in the first episode. And the fact that he's pretty much, uh, when it comes to, uh, uh the organization that, uh, they're running, um, he's kind of, uh, Orga's right hand man when it comes to field ops and stuff like that. So, and, uh, he's not dumb. And, he, uh, but it was, it was cool to see that happen. And, um, one of the, one of the cool things about the show also is that, uh, the, the title of the episode is actually in the eye catch in the middle of the episode you don't even get to find out what the episode's called until you reach the middle of it (laughs) which i thought was kind of slick but also makes me sad because the when you get to the halfway point of the episode it's pretty quick it's it's a fast uh it's 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 pretty fast when you get there and uh it makes me sad when the episode's almost over um shout out to donji the first uh named uh, uh character to get killed in the bunch um he was one of the
2: honorary soul bros man
3: honorary soul bros man right there he got kicked like it was a field goal at football (laughs) <laughs> the the battle scenes though in this episode were fantastic just to see the scale of the mobile suits that the galahorn use in comparison to these little tiny tanks that the kids and cgs are using is like david and goliath type type size it's uh it's it's pretty bad and it makes them uh feel like they're swimming upstream until they uh employ the barbatos which kind of shows up on the battlefield as, um, as, you know, pretty pretty abruptly, but of course uh, later on we get the explanation as to why that is. But um, just to see that thing work was pretty fantastic. But I, I could go on and on. Uh, I'll pass it back to you, Chris, so you can give uh, some of your thoughts on the episode.
2: Yeah, the uh, the opening with young Mika mm-hmm. committing murder obviously reminded me of uh, the beginning of 00 and, and Setsuna being a child soldier himself. Absolutely. And I think, especially viewed through the lens of later episodes, that the actual murder itself was probably irrelevant you think so or just a simple yeah i think it's just a simple murder of survival mm. i think the point was to illustrate that mika will blindly do anything and everything that orga tells him
3: then it might be just the disconnect between him and the and his actions and maybe that was the first time he actually murdered someone maybe that's the significance of the scene you you think
2: i i got the impression that's probably his his first time killing someone
3: yeah cuz a, a big complaint i've been hearing from some people not most people not really but for some is that this series f- uh stars two murderers and some people make it try try to make it sound like they're wanton murderers and it's like no they're not they're survivors they they they'll do what it takes to survive even if they have to kill someone in order to uh to to ensure their survival because it's killer people hey uh, here,
2: here's, here's um Here's uh, here's a little thing for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, every Gundam show mm-hmm. has starred a murderer except for Loran, and that's it. That's pretty much it. <laughs> even even Bellry's a murderer. Yeah. And obviously we're not counting build fighters because there's no actual fighting there. But every single Gundam show is about a murderer. <laughs>
3: <laughs> to some degree, yes.
2: <laughs> and whether you do it on the, the streets to survive – or in the midst of battle, what's the difference? Yeah,
3: exactly. There's context to it, even if we don't quite know what the context is. 100. percent That's
2: a stupid complaint. Oh, it starts two murderers. What? What? Who cares? Yeah, it, it's, it it's, me it's a kind of story. Mm-hmm. It's it's a story of kids who need to do anything to survive because they're in a shitty situation on a shitty planet.
3: Exactly. It, when it comes down to it, you know, they 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 clearly. Explain the situation on Mars and how rough it is for people to make it, you know, whether it be the kids on the street or the actual people who are there struggling to, to earn a living, you know, and the fact that they're under Earth's, uh, Earth, Earth's foot, you know, it's, it's not a, not a pl- pretty situation. It's not like these kids were plucked out of, uh, out of suburban life to do this, yeah. they're, they're plucked off the streets and, um, to the point where, you know, they're, they're, they're street rats basically. And, you know, the, what else have they been taught?
0: Rats. Yeah. <laughs>
3: But back to you, sir.
2: So I definitely got a Double O vibe, not just because of the feel of the series, the look of it, even down to the, the mobile workers. Mm-hmm. They look kind of like uh, these small tanks that uh, Human Reform League use, which is no surprise because they're all designed by the same guy. Oh, yeah. Uh, but the other series that I definitely got a really heavy vibe from, even way back to the trailer in the description, was Dugram.
3: Really? Now that you bring that up, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I, I got I to gotta say that uh, I'm, I'm reminded of that. <laughs> I can see the similarities.
2: You have a desolate colony world that's far from Earth that uh, has its resources plundered for the benefit of Earth and its economy, mm-hmm. which uh, cruelly oppresses the population and prevents them from gaining their independence. Oh, yeah. You know, it, it remains to be seen whether Gallarhorn and Earth will be uh as unrelentingly cruel as the Earth Federation was in Dugram, especially under uh uh Crin's dad mm-hmm. and all of his brutal shit. But I definitely got that vibe a lot. Hey. And also the you know, the fact that uh CGS, you know, the kids at least, that they're a ragtag group. Absolutely fighting with what they have. And I like that uh, in this first episode, but also in subsequent ones, that there's no beam weapons, which is a first for Gundam. That is true. It's all projectile weapons and physical melee weapons. Oh, yeah. Not even any, not even any beam sabers, just axes.
3: <laughs> it makes you wonder how long it's going to be before we start seeing that stuff. <laughs>
2: Maybe we never see it.
3: Hey, that would be a that would definitely be a complete first. <laughs>
2: <laughs> which uh the lack of beam weaponry makes this feel like a bit more stripped down and real. Yeah. You know, and we have uh these Ahab reactors and all that stuff, which are the pretty obvious stand in for Minoski reactors, even down to the part that uh using them interferes with uh communication and radar. hmm But just the look of the mecha, the grays, the look of the Barbatos, you can you can see that they're going for a different feel, that they actually are going for a more realistic aesthetic, I will say, Yeah. than most other Gundam shows that start with beam weapons, or that have them very soon after, and start getting into ridiculous levels of backpacks and other advancements. I mean, <laughs> just look at, look at the extremes that G. Reco went to by the time you got to the... Uh, the, the 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 perfect pack, which is just like the the, the cheat codes pack. <laughs> it was pretty nuts. You know, I, and even the Barbatos itself is just this old, beaten up piece of crap that's three hundred years old. It is very stripped down.
3: It's amazing it didn't even move. <laughs> as well as it did towards the end of the app, Which is another
2: takeaway from the show
3: that, you know, there, the, there's old technology out there that's still viable. Uh, even in light of these new mecha that it had to face, the the Barbatos definitely put in work. And it's um, it's it's a... It's a is a force to be reckoned with in the hands of uh Mika man. It was it was pretty sweet to see that finally uh take off.
2: So uh what do you think of the fact that all of the Gundams are named after demons?
3: I dig that. I didn't I didn't know that till I actually uh did a commentary the other night and they brought that up to me. It's like, "Oh, wow, that's man, that's fantastic." But uh I like that vibe. I wonder how many people are going to get uh upset about that. I could care actually. But I uh- <laughs> <laughs> I wonder when we're going to run into Lucifer or or something like that. But um it's it's a pretty nice naming uh, motif. I, I I wonder I wonder how far
2: they'll take it. Well there's uh, 72 uh demons in demonology and there's 72 Gundam frames and it's down to the level that the model number of the Gundam corresponds to the order of uh the demons numbering. What? Oh wow. So you can actually one to one match uh, the 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 demon's name and generate uh, the model number.
3: That's crazy, man! I did not know that. If that's the case, I, I, I would look 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 up and see what's coming.
2: <laughs> well, there's no guarantee that we're going to see seventy two Gundams on this show, yeah. but uh, at least you know what order they will number. They'll be numbered in. Absolutely. So. Before we move on, so, bro, what's your rating for episode one?
3: I'll have to give this episode uh, four field gold kick dongies out of five.
2: <laughs> I'm going to give this one uh, 4 Kohagans out of five. Oh. <laughs> there you go. All right. So episode two, mm-hmm. Barbatos. So we start off uh, right where... Right before the end of episode one, with Mika leaving the battle, we've got the Barbatos. We see it getting uh, prepped for combat, and we see, from his perspective, launching and taking down the graze that was piloted by a jerk named Orlis. Mm. So, Mikazuki takes on uh, these other two grazes, piloted by a greenhorn named Ein, and a veteran named Crank Zent, which... Boy, those Gundam names. No, I love them. A, a name worthy of Tamino. Oh,
3: of course. <laughs> it's... The best name since Denim and Jane.
2: <laughs> yeah. So Mika confronts uh, these two enemies on his own and uh, has your standard Gundam conversations with them. Mm-hmm. And Crank uh, is visibly surprised to discover that he's fighting children. Oh, yeah. Which will come into play later. And uh, Mika runs into some real world problems because uh, the tank wasn't full. <laughs> <laughs> so he runs out of fuel for the thrusters, and the battle ends there. We have uh, Kudelia wondering what to do. We have um, her actually putting the dots together that her dad must have sold her out. Oh, yeah. We have the first core guys. Uh, coming back, and uh, all being jerks, especially this guy named Haida, who, is, uh, who just looks like a miserable bastard. Oh, <laughs> and uh, let's see what else we have going on here. It's uh, already all flowing together. Um, so the uh, all these kids, they decide, well, Orga says that uh, they need to take control of CGS for themselves. Mm-hmm and he asks uh, Mika to help him out with that. And then, up in space, there's a Gallerhorn base in orbit of the planet, and this scheming guy, Coral, is um, not happy that things did not go well in the first episode, and he's even less happy to meet these two inspectors named McGillis and Galio, who have come from Earth to uh, see what he's up to, and... You know, being Mr. Obvious corruption, he's not happy about that. <laughs> and in the meantime, he's ordered Crank to go back and erase all evidence of uh, anything at CGS and Gallerhorn's involvement, and uh, get rid of Kudelia. Mm-hmm. So, what do you think about episode two? I thought it, was, it kept up.
3: It definitely kept up the uh, the tension from the first episode, and was. Um <sighs> I I've got to say from the get-go, actually it was nice to get the explanation of um of how um how Mika got into the Barbatos and the toll it takes on his body um, the fact that he had a cerebral nosebleed <laughs> when he when he merged with the system I guess that was his first time actually uh sitting in the Gundam and uh, launching from it and uh the the, the conversation that uh Cordelia has with uh, I guess uh, the mechanic's name is what Nadi Yuki Nojo. Nadi. Yep, Nadi. Um, oh, who is? I'm glad to see his brother. One of the few in the show.
0: <laughs> space brother.
3: Oh my gosh! And the fact that he uh, a space brother. <laughs> my Martian brothers stand up. <laughs> <laughs> but uh the fact that he explains to her, you know, the process of um of what these kids have to go through in order to be able to pilot these suits. Um and also the fact that these kids are uneducated. Like they um Mika can't even read. He can't read what's yep. on the screen. That is a first. I have never seen a Gundam series where that has been the case. There's doing a lot of firsts in this show, by the way. Um
2: Well it- if you if you think about it, um they go back to uh young Setsuna when he was uh jihad kun as people used to call oh, him Jihad-kun. when he was When he was uh, Sora Mm Ibrahim, back in those days, uh, I'm sure he probably couldn't read or write either, which I'm sure made him more susceptible to uh, Ali's brainwashing. Absolutely. And I'm sure he got educated, got a full education uh, as a result of being part of Celestial Being. Very true. So if you think about it, uh, Mikazuki's not the first. And we also know if you're talking about Gundam Wing and episode 0 that hero was uh, some random homeless kid. Oh shoot. <laughs> That's true. He was probably <laughs> uneducated. Actually a couple of the, the the wing lads are like random homeless kids. Mm-hmm. So they too were probably uneducated
3: that's true at the, the, the outset they went to the school of hard knocks
2: <laughs> yeah the school of random knocks oh
3: my gosh i i, the I extra
2: episode title there you go that or or get your ass to mars get your ass to mars <laughs>
3: <laughs> but yeah just to see the toll on his body um and the fact that he had it, it i i don't know what damage is going to do to his brain or if this is going to continue throughout the series or if that was a one-time thing i don't think it is but um that, that was very interesting. But the fact that he took to it so well, if it wasn't for his uh, Gundam running out of juice, <laughs> he probably would have done a lot more damage. But um, uh, I got to say, um, uh, one of the things I liked about this episode was uh, the character of Crank. Um, he being the old salt. You know, he's the kind of character that we want to see in our Gundam shows. And I already knew he wasn't alone for this world. <laughs> Once he realized his opponent... His opponents were children. Um, you know, I guess he has a, a strong sense of honor, even though he was being sent to uh the installation to kill a girl. You know, I was kind of effed up. But um at least, when it came to fighting children, he felt guilt. He kind of reminded me a little bit of Ramba Raw, at least. And he wasn't like just a bloodthirsty asshole like uh, Orlis was. Um, the trio of them Orlis, Crank, and Iron—remind me of De- Denim, Gene, and Slender in the uh, beginning of Gundam. I, I
2: think that's that's pretty deliberate. That,
3: that's pretty deliberate. Absolutely, they're,
2: it's a trio attacking, and they're all in mass-produced green suits.
3: Absolutely, with with mono eyes as well. Uh, that's a pretty cool design of their suit, where the the, uh, helm, uh, the head of it opens up and you can see the eye. It's very code gears. Very much so. Very much so. Um, Cookie and Cracker get introduced this episode, the Sisters of Biscuit. So, uh, already, uh, the Moe has struck. <laughs> but they're cool characters i like the fact that he does have sisters and it makes him pretty much susceptible to getting murdered later on i'm, I'm i i do not know i don't think he's long for this world in this series he if he is if he makes it i'll be surprised but uh now that we found out that biscuit has uh uh siblings i i find that to uh might make him a bit more vulnerable of a character and makes me wonder where they, but they might go with that um i did like uh the fact that codelia also uh, codelia i keep saying co cudelia also uh, felt guilt for the death of the cgs members that protected her and that was compounded by um by mika telling her pretty much that was the case it's like the reason that they died is because you're here and um
2: well he didn't he didn't say that at all oh he didn't say that the opposite he said that uh nobody died because of you and you know don't think that you're so important oh yeah that's it sorry
3: (laughs) it's what 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 how she felt though because she, in her mind, I think she felt that because she was there, that people died in uh, in protecting her. And she, it later adds up later on in a later episode where she wants to give herself up uh, in order to avoid further bloodshed. But, um, yeah, um, the fact that he uh, continues to give her the cold shoulder really does affect her. Which I don't see why it should all that much. But uh, I guess that's that main character syndrome. But <laughs> it rub up on the main girl.
2: Well, also, you know, um, mm-hmm homeless war kid yeah not not exactly uh socially adjusted
3: maybe she's thinking that he should be grateful that she exists because she's trying to fight for them but then again i don't see that she has an ego like that um what was cool is that we did get to see uh a flashback to when she was addressing the mars council at least and to see exactly what kind of position she's putting herself in by uh trying to speak for the poverty across mars and
2: she said we need air yeah yeah <laughs> you <laughs> it don't it's, have any air
3: dude the, the the montage they showed with the kid militias the dead bodies um the kids dying on the street the girls who are tricking on the corner dude i just that blew me up when i watched this episode man it was pretty messed up to, to see exactly the state of being on mars which is why i can't understand why uh when we do see orga and mika take action in order to protect themselves and their people that people don't understand that it. it doesn't mean that they're morally correct. In that, but if it comes to if it comes down to them and someone else they 're going to defend themselves and they 're going to do what it takes to defend themselves so right now i 'm on board with what they 're doing you know well they 're pretty much my protagonist in the show, and I am enjoying exactly the the uh, journey that they 're taking us on uh, in this series. Um, we get a little bit more of, I guess, McGillis and uh, Ga- Gale- uh, Galo. Is that his name? Uh, Galio. Galio. Oh my God! I, I should have known. And their investigation of coral and uh, how pretty much two-dimensional coral
2: is, <laughs> he can't. <laughs> he, he can't hide he's it. A, mm-hmm. He's like a space goomba. Like, hey, uh, how are
3: you guys <laughs> doing? <laughs> He's such a such a he's, he's he's so he's able to be seen through so easily, and the fact that he's so corrupt.
2: Can I get you guys uh, some space hookers? I don't know, you know, <laughs> the bribes. <laughs> you know, just between some guys, you know, nothing special. You know, just just saying, you know, hey, how you doing?
3: They don't look like they're interested in any space hookers, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they went to the Garber sc- or Zombie School of uh of of, of military training. <laughs> <laughs> it's so dandy looking but um i would say that uh i say that mcgillis is definitely the smarter of the two and he uh he's he's definitely on top of his game it's gonna be interesting to see how he progresses in the series uh especially in the episodes that are coming up but um overall i thought it was uh it was it was consistent this episode and uh they uh It held my interest, and uh, I was excited to see the next episode after this, but I'll turn it back over to you. Well, actually, hold on. Uh, I do have to give accommodation for the opening sequence, Uh, that Man on a Mission uh, song, uh, Raise Your Flag. I love the theme to the show, and the opening sequence is amazing, especially that uh, the uh, grindhouse filter they put over it. It kind of gives it that rustic look and that down-and-dirty-and-gritty look that the show will make you feel as you watch it. So uh, shout-outs to uh, the... uh, the band, uh Man on the Mission for making a great theme for the show as well as the people who made a compelling opening sequence. And the ending theme is really good too. It's really a throwback to like old school seventies uh anime and um I really uh I, 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 I enjoy both songs, the OP and the E D, man. I, I the, the show has got me uh it got me hooked. But uh back do to Do you uh place. do
2: you wanna raise your flag every time uh I that do. song
3: please? I want to I g I wanna I wanna give bump give my friend a pound and raise my flag every time <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's a shame that the uh, the good English in the show didn't extend to the uh, writing of that song. Oh my gosh! You know what? There's more. There's more English in that song than I expected, though. I will, I will definitely say that. And unfortunately, that. a lot of English too. Yeah, a whole lot. <laughs> but man, on it's a mission, a badass song. But mm-hmm. you know, still, it's like it's. Oh come on, guys! i I'll, I'll be sad
3: when they change it if they change it halfway through the series. But uh,
2: oh, you know what they will come. You- so fourteen. Uh, please so. don't
3: please don't change it to a love ballad, guys. Keep the hype going. All right, make a let man on the mission do another joint for this show. I'm excited to see uh, if, if if they do another song for this. But if they don't, then it'll be a, it'll be definitely a sad day. But uh, back to you, sir. Back to you.
2: So, I like uh, and was expecting that they would show. The lead up to the final moment of the previous episode mm-hmm. and seeing these sort of like quick preparations to get the barber toast ready. I liked that it ran out of fuel, which also is very dug room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you remember that there was an episode where the whole point of the episode was that they didn't have any fuel for the dug room and they had to go steal some from the enemy so that they can again use it to fight the enemy. Absolutely. <laughs> I also liked. Uh, Mika's tactic of running very close to the ground, kicking up dirt hmm. to protect himself. It's like very much uh, street fighting, l- lowercase S and F. Yes,
3: solo. yes, indeed.
2: <laughs> <laughs> like the way you would expect someone to fight on the street, but he's using it against soldiers, which I think is catching them all off guard. One, because they weren't expecting to see mm-hmm. a mobile suit because only Gallarhorn has them. And two, even if they were expecting a mobile suit, they're not expecting that unorthodox <laughs> fighting style.
3: Absolutely,
2: I do like that this episode pretty much dispenses the idea of Kudelia being a naive peace princess because she pretty immediately puts together that her dad must have framed her mm-hmm. and sold her out because he's always opposed all of her peace efforts before but then magically he was very supportive this time about this mission which is supposed to be a total secret and nobody's supposed to know that she's even going to earth so hmm that is kind of that is kind of suspect i mean anyone could put it together but you know a character in that situation might say like oh i can't i don't want to believe it i need to talk to my dad blah 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 but Cordelia's like no i can't I can't. I don't want to suspect my father, but I can't go back to him until I've confirmed everything. So, mm-hmm. you know, she can she can see what's going on and adapt to it rather than just naively want to believe that her dad is not a jerk <laughs> and totally did not sell her out. Uh, also, know yeah, this goes back to the first episode, though. Uh, of course, every time you have kind of a stoic character in the lead. Uh, they'll be compared to Hero, so of course Mika has been called uh, Hero 3.0. And, oh no! <laughs> you know, but in contrast to Hero or even early Setsuna, Mika, you know, yes, he can be cold and direct, but he cares about his uh, his comrades, and he will do anything to protect them. I mean, the fact that one of them got smacked by one of the adults in the first episode and he notices it at lunch and asks this kid what's going on and the kid lies and covers it up but mm-hmm. he knows what's going on he knows what's up yeah you know he cares about his friends whereas hero for a lot of his show didn't give a hell didn't give a shit about anybody
3: yeah he's not he's not so emotionally distant that he doesn't have connections to people like uh his connection with Atra when uh she gave him the bracelet and you know they he he, he took it and he was uh he was real uh happy to get it from her so you know he treats her like a friend so you know he has connections to people it's just that he can disconnect himself from murdering people and uh <laughs> well, that's coming
2: up pretty soon Woo! <laughs> uh so definitely it's a nice change to have uh, a character like him again and uh, hey, good job on this show for redeeming Mars in the Gundam Metaverse. Thank God, I was Compared glad to the last show that oh. uh, that touched upon this with some space vegetarians.
3: Dude, I thought I didn't think we'd ever get Mars again in a Gundam series after after that series shit the bed. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, we they they set this on Mars. It was like, oh man, Mars again? I don't know about this. And then of course they 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 uh, they set it up so nicely with how rough it is and. Um, how it's, it's a colonial type situation where they want independence. And um, in this case, uh, Earth does have a presence on Mars, unlike in uh, Gundam Age, where they didn't. You know, they sent those people there to pretty much be effed. <laughs> yeah.
2: You know, also seeing some of the city, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's kind of beaten up and just the hard Scrabble existence and the desire for independence also gave me quite a vibe of Zone of the Enders. Oh, did it now? Because yeah, of course, Zone of the Enders is about Martians wanting independence from the cruel, oppressive Earth.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Man, gosh, it's been a well while since I played Zone of the Enders. I need to get back on
2: it. <laughs> so, so, bro, your rating for episode two?
3: Uh my rating for this one is probably uh, four vicious beatdowns of Orgum. <laughs> he t- he can take a punch, man. Uh, that guy from the uh, from, can take many punches. Oh my gosh, the dude from the uh, first uh, the first core. Laid it on him, but you know he took that beating for the rest of his team. Uh, Oregon makes a really good leader, man. I, I'm, I'm excited to see where he goes, but yeah, four four of those beatings, man. He can take it.
2: I'm going to give this one four out of five quato's. <laughs> <laughs> Don't
3: lift your shirt, please. <laughs> oh man.
2: So that brings us to the next episode we're looking at which is glorious demise oh yes so it's dinner time and they made stew (laughs) but there's a special stew for all of the adults in the first core there sure is and after eating that special stew they all wake up tied up in some small room and orga comes and tells them how it's gonna be that y'all done messed up and we're taking over and haida of course is threatening and Orga reminds him and I think uh, I just love this moment he's like really in a position to be making um, you know demands and threats (laughs) yeah (laughs) and this guy starts uh, trying to talk shit and be a big man and Mika just walks in and straight up executes him oh my god and Orga says, you can uh, take option A, which is to work with us. You can take option B, which is to leave. Or you can take option C, which is that.
3: The business end of that so gun?
2: So <laughs> some idiot immediately gets up and tries to like charge them and uh, exercises option C.
3: <laughs> option C, you later.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah. Pretty much everyone else takes option uh, B mm-hmm. except for uh the accountant Dexter who is forced to stay and uh flabby old man named Toto. Oh, we we I like to call him Space Hitler. <laughs> the Space Hitler or Toto <laughs> Hitler cuz he's got he's got the little the, the Hitler mustache going.
3: Oh my gosh.
2: So, you have the takeover now of CGS and Orga's going through, they're having, they're trying to calculate how much money they have mm-hmm. because the old boss Maraba ran away in the first episode. Uh, they're trying to figure out how they're going to make money because they had to pay severance out to all of the adults who left. And then in the middle of everything Crank shows up in a graze by himself with a challenge to a duel, which we learn is the way they used to settle stuff before the old war. Mm-hmm. So he uh, wants to have a fight one-on-one with the Barbatos. And if they lose, all they have to do is hand over the greys that they had previously captured, along with Kudelia, and that's it. So Orga tells Mika to waste him. So Mika goes out, and he fights Crank. They have another Gundam debate, mm-hmm. and Mika just does could not care less about Crank's uh, <laughs> compassion and uh, his discomfort in fighting children because all he knows is that Orga wants him to kill this guy.
3: Uh, exactly.
2: And then he basically cripples the suit and uh, grievously wounds Crank, who is unable to uh, off himself now, and reveals that um, you know he was violating orders to do this because he just didn't want to do things the way that Coral likes to do them. Yeah. So Mika helps him along the way by uh, murking him too. <laughs> but in this case, he asked for it. Like, he literally asked for it mm-hmm. because he couldn't do it himself. And by the end of the episode, Orga has decided on the name Tekadan, Tekadan for CGS now mm-hmm. because it means Iron Flower. And Kudelia decides that uh, she wants to hire them to do the job she was going to have CGS do. Mm hmm. So, what are your thoughts on this episode, Soulbro?
3: Oh, uh, this is probably my favorite of the whole bunch. Oh, yeah, I would say it was my favorite of the whole bunch. But uh, yeah, man, it it definitely was strong. Uh, we'll start. I'll start off with the duel. Um, I can definitely see Crank's uh, dilemma, man. He didn't want to fight these kids, but at the same time, he thought the best action was to do that duel and see if he could and as peaceful as he possibly could. But what, he was being held back in his mind the entire time because he was fighting a child, a child that did not give a damn about his station <laughs> and his position his moral position man and uh, and 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 Mika laid him to waste like it wasn't it was I mean it was it was almost like Mika was uh giving him his final lesson in all of this and um, I, I gotta say that renegade interrupt at the middle of when uh yeah. <laughs> when he's doing
2: this it's like Ugh.
3: When he's asking him to kill him, yo, know, Mika don't waste no time. It's like he already he already wetted up some chest earlier today, so he wasn't
2: <laughs> yeah, he got two renegade interrupts in the in the in the same episode. Oh my gosh, it was crazy.
3: And then and then earlier the scene with the execution of the first core um uh, members with uh Haida and the other guy. The way that just went down, it reminded me of like an HBO show. Like
2: I I don't think I felt like I was watching the wire there for a minute yeah. like, someone someone got uh Murked by uh by Omar. Oh my gosh,
3: dude. Or and Stringer. It was, it was matter of fact the way it happened. And uh, I, I remember someone, um, the person who uh, I, I was interacting with that had a problem with the show and the lead characters, saying, how could they just kill that guy? And then I, I didn't know what the context was at the time until I watched the show. And then I'm seeing it and it's like, you know, you, 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 you realize why they did this, right? <laughs> they said last episode, they're going to be used as cannon fodder soon enough. And that... um. The money was getting ready to run out and all this other stuff that pretty much led them to this decision it's it was a clear-cut case of them or first corps and first corps had to go as far as uh they were concerned and i could not i I could not agree with them more so when it came down to this i wasn't sure last episode when orga asked mika what he needed him to help him with was gonna be this but when this happened it's like shit diplomacy at gunpoint it is (coughs) Yep. And then and, and, um, that one guy tried to step. He got his, brain, his brains blown out, too. And then everybody else, they just said, you know, uh, well, we don't need to stick around. We're out of here. <laughs> so, except for, uh, as you mentioned, Space Hitler and uh, Dexter, the accountant, who wanted to leave but couldn't. He was the only guy that didn't get a choice. <laughs> but uh, it was pretty. Uh, that, that, that scene was Absolutely. Uh, I'd say, uh, stunning for the most part. Uh, when I, I, I don't think I've ever seen a scene seri- in a Gundam TV series like that before. So, um, it was pretty wild to see that play out. Um, it was, um, interesting to see the money issue with, uh, CGS and, uh, the fact that they only have three months of, uh, funds left to uh, continue operating. Uh, I liked the conversation at first when uh, they thought they had a lot of money and then the uh, the cost of pretty much maintaining the machines and, and paying people and all that stuff pretty much drained whatever abundance money they had to whittle them down to three months of funds. So they needed to find work stat. And then, of course, uh, old Toto says, if we cash in Kudelia Cud- uh, um, and get the reward on her, that will help us uh, get jobs really quick. And it's like, th- that's not going to happen. Um, I did think it was noble of uh, Kudelia to try to give herself up. Um, and then, of course, uh, Orga shot that shit down. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, but uh, another favorite part of this episode to me, of course, was the the birth of the of Don. Uh I like their emblem too. I think it's pretty neat looking. And uh, uh, it's a much better name than CGS. So shout out to these kids, man. They're making it happen. And now they're the ones running the show, man. As, as, uh, I didn't think it would move this quick. I thought they would be under the the uh the foot of the first core for a while so um to see how quickly this show moves is is definitely a breath of fresh air and um i really enjoyed this episode i'll I'll toss it back over to you
2: there are uh many instances in this show throughout the first five episodes where they dispense pretty quickly with storylines that you would expect to normally be dragged out Mm -hmm. a lot more and i applaud them for doing that because it is a welcome change um, I think Orga definitely has earned the title of Space Stringer Bell. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Space especially Stringer. The way, especially the way that whole scene went down with the first core guys, mm-hmm. uh, which kind of shocking. But also, you know, you look at Haida and all these guys, they totally deserved it. Absolutely. They were all jerks. They ran away during the first episode and they were going to let all these kids die. And they did, in fact, let a lot of kids die. Oh, yeah they would have killed them all over time and let them die and it's a matter of survival and he's completely incompetent like do you think that guy could run a business <laughs> not at all <laughs> so you know just the the thing that kept sticking with me after this episode was the way that Mika unflinchingly and unquestioningly unquestioningly will kill anyone Orga tells him to yeah which, yay for devotion to your friend, but also, wow. Yeah. I could see that being a problem in the future because if Orga doesn't get senpai at some point, yeah. then pretty much the only other path that you would expect for him is that he sees some opportunity to advance himself that he thinks is totally justified but is utterly evil, and he expects mika to blindly go along with him as he has up to now and then mika will be in a situation that he has to choose between doing um something that uh, he knows is probably wrong or sticking with his pal and being a bro
3: yeah i I honestly
2: think i'm pretty sure it's gonna be this path yeah they're gonna they're gonna run into
3: a schism and eventually mika is gonna say no to him I, i don't know if uh if Kudelia or um Atra are gonna have a, a have an effect on him and make him, you know, start to Kind of have a conscience when it comes to the decisions that he's making, but um, I do think that they're going to have a falling out somewhere in the series. I, I, they're just, they're, things are going too smooth between the two of them right now, and
2: uh, we shall see. I mean, yeah. this is not like any ground breaking, sort of prediction that mm-hmm. I'm making. I'm just calling it as what I see to be the most obvious outcome given the types of tropes that they're employing. But hey, they could turn it around and uh, maybe Orga's not going to be a bad guy. Yeah. Maybe he's not even going to get senpai as a good guy. Maybe he's going to survive and still be a good guy. Who knows? <laughs> but I tend to think that that's not going
3: <laughs> <laughs> don't, to. I don't predict a good ending for a, a, a majority of these characters in this show. <laughs> but uh, we're along for the ride at
2: least. <laughs> yeah. So kudos to Crank for uh, trying to be an honorable old man even though mika doesn't get it Mm -hmm. so rating for this episode so bro
3: my rating for this episode i would say uh i would definitely give this uh, i'd probably give it 4.5 out of five uh uh melons getting split (laughs) headshots (laughs) it was uh that was the uh, reoccurring theme of the episode i gotta say so uh yeah
2: I'm going to give this one four. Hey, Benny, fuck you! <laughs> out of five. Oh, man. <laughs> Good stuff. Which brings us to episode four mm-hmm. The Price of Life. So we have no combat in. This episode, we have um, some things like uh, the CGS logo getting painted over with Mm Tekadons. We have uh, Mika taking Kudelia out to uh, cornfields so she can get her mind off things and sort of see how uh, things look for average Martians. They meet uh, Biscuit's grandma, Sakura Pretzel. Oh my god, what the
3: name? Pretzel. The names keep on coming.
2: <laughs> it's like, what What is with this family and everybody being in after food? It's It's crazy.
3: Yeah, Those baked goods, they, they must all come from the Nabisco family.
2: <laughs> Possibly. Oh, man. And meanwhile, up in space, McGillis and Galio are pretty much done with their inspection, which uh, surprises Coral. Mm-hmm. So he tries to offer them a very, very very transparent bribe. Oh, yeah. Like, hey, uh, you know, if there's uh, something I can get you guys, you know, it falls off of a space truck, you know, it's no problem. But McGillis shuts that shit down entirely. Absolutely. And picks up on the fact that, hey, there's a company that went out and has not returned. What's going on Mm -hmm. there? And, of course, Coral lies, says that they were sent out to... Suppress uh, a civilian uprising. Mm -hmm. He wants to cover the truth. But of course, McGillis doesn't believe him, so he and Galileo go down to Mars. They investigate the scene of the battle. They're driving around. We learn that uh, their parents have arranged a marriage between McGillis, who was very much an adult, Mm -hmm. and Galileo's nine year old sister, which is creepy. Good times. (laughs) Yeah. And then they happen to drive through a certain cornfield and nearly run over Cookie and Cracker. And as a result, uh, Mika goes all road rage on Galio and starts choking the shit out of him. Oh, my God.
3: And he's like half his size, too. That
2: was the funny part about that scene. Oh, my God. Um, But McGillis breaks it up and he sees that uh, that Mika has uh, Whisker. Implants, Mm -hmm. as they're called, and commends him on his fighting skills, which uh, surely is not a reference to anything that will be happening later, huh, Solbro? Oh, my gosh.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Not at all. Not at all. They'll never run into each other again.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So getting in in preparation for the trip to Earth, uh, Kudelia gets money from this rich dude named Noblis, who is a dirty-looking old man. Mm Mm-hmm. And is very wealthy and supplies money to the independence movement. Then we also got up in space, uh, Dexter and uh, this dude Akihiro and some of the other human debris guys going up to claim the uh, CGS ship Will of the Wisps, which Orga renames to the Isaribi. And they're going to be guided up to the ship by a dude named orcas on the recommendation of space hitler who plans to double cross them
3: <laughs> scheming god dang i knew he couldn't be trusted piece of crap
2: <laughs> yep so what are your thoughts on this episode i
3: thought it was great to find out pretty much how um society on uh, i guess the agricultural economy on uh, mars was um when they went to go vi- visit uh uh grandma sakura and um she gets to break down not not she but Kudelia uh, gets to break down of exactly how much money they make off of uh off of the, the corn harvest that they um, they um that they supply. It's not much, man. They don't make much out of that at all and they probably work they probably do backbreaking work in order to uh supply that corn. So it's kinda sucks, man. Uh that that Earth pretty much gets the the better part of that deal while people on Mars have to struggle to 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 provide uh was it a uh, export for uh for for earth and all that. So I thought it was interesting um and especially since she you know finally uh, well I wouldn't say finally but she continues to get her hands dirty as she learns about the people and I think that's really good for uh Kudelia's uh development. Um the interaction between the chocolate boys and uh <laughs> the cgs boys are the uh Tekadon uh guys at the um at, at the at the farm was an interesting exchange and it just of course foreshadows what's to come and i, I was cool they got the meeting out of the way now so that way they, they kind of know what they look like and, and they know what they're dealing with on both sides of the equation once uh the the fighting in space begins next episode let's see here um they renamed the ship too right from the will-o'-wisp to the Isarabi this episode right Yes. Yeah, which I think is an interesting name. Will-o'-the-Wisp is a pretty cool name, too, but uh, Orga said he don't want none of that. So. <laughs> but he the, the the it was cool that he gave Akihiro that, uh, that mission to go into space early, along with uh, some of the other guys, like Dexter, to uh, head to space and acquire the ship ahead of time because they know what was coming.
2: And so. most importantly, that he gave them their contracts, which essentially is giving them their freedom.
3: Yeah, pretty much. It's like he gave them a choice, too, basically. Hey, do you want to continue with this, or do you want to uh, uh, pursue other avenues? And Akihiro said, you know, we're still human debris no matter what, so let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that was interesting. It was, it was cool to see them uh, head to the spaceport and uh, get ready for the mission that's coming up. Uh, what also was very interesting is the map of Earth that they showed and the kind of the, the – the, the uh, history that they showed briefly on the screen. Um, you had the part, All the in English. In all in English, too. So you could freeze frame it and read all of that. But um, what was really interesting is when you look at the map of Earth, I got vibes from Double O, but I also got vibes from Universal Century because if you look at Australia, there's a chunk mission <laughs> missing. <laughs> there's a big chunk missing and that's um, around the same spot where uh, the uh, co- space colony fell in Mobile Suit Gundam. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, so... It makes me wonder if there's if that's just no no,
0: no don't you oh
3: my even god go there hey all I know is that don't. it's a wild
2: coincidence it's an Easter egg is it really
3: all right well we'll leave it at that then and we'll see well well, well it, it probably is nothing don't you
2: start up any of these turn a idiots all of <laughs> their crazy theories. <laughs> Oh, so sick of those people! Every two or three years, is a new Gunham show. All well, of will fit with the turn a. Yeah. she <laughs> see this around? And this didn't happen before this. And then blah, 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 blah. this show happens before this one. It's Like, no, go away, stop yes. it. You knew these people were ridiculous when when they tried to uh, somehow explain Build Fighters. Yeah. With the text of turn a, it's like no, just please go away, that's, stop, that's, shut that's up.
3: A, that's a new level of ridiculum. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, yeah, the the see the the see McGillis and uh and 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 his boy they they go out on that uh that road trip and then he brings up the whole fiance situation. I, that happens in arranged marriages all the time, of course. You know, McGillis ain't doing anything until the girl's like of age anyway. But the fact that he's gonna have to be waiting for quite some time before he can marry that girl kind of sucks for him. You know, he's kind of stuck in a situation where he kind of has to do it. Uh, because i guess the agreement between their families but he you could see in his face it's not something he digs at all so (laughs) so um it makes me wonder if that's actually going to play out uh, all right rear its head later on in the series once they do get to earth uh, maybe uh, that character will show up or maybe his situation with his family will come back into the frame maybe it's just a piece of uh a wild trivia that they just gave us to know uh, just to give us more definition to his character but uh, I, I hope they, they, they go further down that road with this family situation. I would like to know exactly uh, what his family is all about. So we'll see what happens there. But uh, other than that, um, uh, Ein, um, the the, 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 little, the little pilot that uh, couldn't, uh, he was uh, very injured last episode, so he couldn't go out there and fight alongside Crank and now he mourns for cranky uh you can see he treasures the little medal that crank gave him so uh i wonder where that's gonna go in the series or is he always gonna be a loser villain we'll find out i guess <laughs> but uh i definitely wants another shot at uh the gundam and uh these kids who are planning to make their escape from mars so uh i'm curious to see where he's gonna go too but uh that's it for me i'll pass it back over to you
2: you get your ass off mars yeah. <laughs> That seems to be the theme. So <clears throat> I enjoyed that uh, they didn't have a pointless fight in this episode just for sake of having a fight. Oh, yeah. And that sort of felt like a callback to some of the older mecha shows from the 80s that would do this. Mm-hmm. And But it brings developments on all the fronts. We see the further development of the relationship between Kudelia and Mika, much to the consternation of Atra, who... Um, I mean, what does she got to offer, honestly? Yeah, some <laughs> little prepubescent girl compared to uh, you know Kudelia. Oh yeah, buxom teenager, famous rich person. Yeah, <laughs> it's like you wear a handkerchief on your head, and hey, she's and you're like three feet tall, and you look like you're twelve.
3: <laughs> she's a simple shop girl, man. She's a, she's, she's a
2: simple she's, shop girl. She's a nice girl and all, but mm-hmm. it's like I'm sorry, <laughs> that ship has sailed. But.
3: Oh man. I, I it could be a time jump in the series later on. Who knows what, what we we might see. We might see some people mature. Who knows? You never know. you never know.
2: Yeah, I enjoyed all of the bits with uh, Ticketon and Orgo really taking seriously running it as a business and all of the small little details like having to claim the ship as part of the new company and you know just sort of the boring nitty-gritty paperwork that you would never Normally having a Gundam show. I enjoyed the scene with uh, Akihiro where he gives all those guys their freedom and says, hey, I don't want your gratitude, but if you stay with me, I'll protect you. Yeah, So certainly inspiring words because these guys are used to being treated like crap their whole lives and being slaves mm-hmm. and being sold for nothing. Not even like any decent amount of money. Like, no, you're just cheap labor.
3: And human debris?
2: And debris. I liked how Kudelia is able to be uh, out in the field and and get uh, clear her mind and get out of the funk that she's been in involving the deaths of all these people. Exactly. Uh, good on Biscuit for as soon as the car accident is nearly aver- is uh, narrowly averted, that he spots the Gallerhorn symbol on the Jeep and then starts playing dumb kid. Yeah. And also good on. Um, Kudelia's is made for recognizing the same and pushing her into the bushes.
3: The ninja maid. <laughs>
2: yes, another ninja, sunrise ninja maid.
3: Yes, indeed. I, I can't wait to see her. I'll throw her sh- some shuriken. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Uh, Fortunately, man did the animation really take a dive this It episode.
3: did i I gotta say like um it's just the quality of it I, I granted there was no set pieces this episode, so it was like it was it was a episode I guess for their b team to animate, but yeah, you can definitely notice that it's a a little rough in a lot I'm of areas,
2: hoping that all those areas get patched up for the blu-ray oh uh, me too. <laughs> So I also I got a uh, a pretty heavy vibe of double O in the whole thing with McGillis and Galio investigating the battle yeah selves and then running across the very person who fought in that battle mm-hmm. who's playing dumb very much uh, like when Graham met Setsuna yes yes
3: uh, uh, McGillis strikes me as a Graham character all the way through and uh... the
2: the difference there though is that of course. That Setsuna and Graham had already fought several times mm-hmm. before meeting in person, whereas Mika was meeting McGillis and Galio for the first time in any context.
3: I count the seconds before he becomes Mr. Bushido. <laughs>
2: <laughs> he seems a little bit more level headed than Graham.
3: Yeah, kinda, kinda. Yeah, Graham was a was gung ho, but you know, he he kinda slipped from reality. But uh McGillis, he's he's, he's definitely quick on the take. And he's going to make a a dangerous foe. And he looks like the guy who's going to be pursuing him the majority of the show. So uh, I wonder what lengths he's going to take to, to take these kids down. It's going to be pretty interesting.
2: I gotta say, I'm really digging McGillis, especially as far as antagonists go, because even though he's a member of Galarhorn, which uh, is a pretty rough organization, mm-hmm. he takes his job seriously, and he's all about stamping out the corruption, and he's not taking any crap from Coral. Yeah,
3: true, true. Making Coral shake in his boots.
2: <laughs> yeah, he's he's there to do a job, and he has ethical standards, so that's good to see that an enemy has that, and is not just, you know, cartoonishly evil. Yeah. Also, I love that he's... Uh, He's very analytical in everything. Um, kind of reminds me of uh, Old Age and Serac Abyss, the, the homes of the battlefield. Very analytical, mm-hmm. notices lots of small details, doesn't act rashly the way that, uh, for example, his friend Galio does, because yeah. he clearly is <laughs> brash one mm-hmm. out of the group. Absolutely but solid character development and story progression. So, Solbro, what do you give this one?
3: I got I'll got. i definitely give this episode uh, four bags of Mars Pop Secret.
2: <laughs> I'm going to give this one four out of five three-breasted women. There you go. There you
3: go. There's, not, there's never enough of them. <laughs> and the,
2: now we're up. <laughs> the tri-breasted. <laughs> yep. We're up to the last episode of this roundup up beyond the red sky hell yeah so we have another scene between uh Kudelia and Mika and he gives him uh some of her nuts or whatever it is that he eats Mars crap and learn an interesting tidbit that the moon got all messed up during the Calamity War and now you can barely even see it yeah which makes you wonder how screwed up it is
3: oh my gosh well they eventually gonna get they're eventually gonna have to pass it <laughs> yeah
2: um Atra shows up and gets herself hired as the company's cook. Mm -hmm. And the journey to space begins with the team that's going loaded up on a shuttle with the Gundam. And they head up to space. They're supposed to be meeting up with uh, Orcus and his ship. But it's there early. And then some Gallarhorn mobile suits show up, a couple of grazes, including ones piloted by Ayn, and Coral himself. Mm-hmm. So, once again, Orga is completely prepared for the situation and was expecting this because he already had Mika in the Barbatos and ready to launch before the shuttle even took off. Absolutely. If you notice, Mika's not even there in the cabin.
3: No, he's not. <laughs>
2: So he fights in space for the first time, but unlike uh, all of his predecessors, he pretty much kicks ass because he has the whiskers and can move much more realistically than everyone. Mm -hmm. And Coral manages to get himself killed, because, of course, and good riddance. And all of this craziness causes McGillis and Galio to join the battle, and we actually see that analytical mind of McGillis' in battle because he notices that uh, the spot on the Barbatos that has the most worn-out armor is the thrusters. Yep. And a human body has no thrusters, so you're not going to move around in the same way to try to avoid having them damaged. Mm -hmm. So he tests the theory. But Mika is smart enough to catch on to what he's doing and not give any other openings in that regard. We also have separately this uh, crazy attack by Orcus on the Isaribi. So Orga gets an idea to use a mining asteroid. So they do a little, uh, little swing around by shooting an anchor into the asteroid and doing a turn. And uh, this guy Eugene gets a new mobile worker and blasts the rope in the middle of the turn so that they can come around shooting so nice way to have gravity work for you hell yeah so by the end of the episode a uh, couple of grazes are destroyed the Isaribi escapes and space hitler gets shipped off to ah. gallivorne because his treachery has been exposed so what were your thoughts on this last episode of the night it is the exact opposite
3: Of the episode five of most Gundam series where you're transitioning from space to Earth, right? And a lot of Gundam series, uh, episode five is usually significant because people are usually making a transition. Or there's an episode early on where they're coming from space to get to Earth in a lot of Gundam series. In this one, they're getting off a planet. (laughs) and there's a battle outside the atmosphere of the planet and that planet is Mars so to me it was pretty cool to see them get off the planet and then have to fight their way out of Mars uh, gravity well in order to get where they're going and uh the fact that they were completely prepared to take these guys on even anticipating the double cross uh, from Orcus you know um i love that scene when they open up the shuttle and the barbatus is waiting for them and he no scopes that dude
0: <laughs> yep
3: <laughs> Blows his shit up. And then to see, uh, what's his name? Uh, Coral? Com- get crushed by the, uh, by, that, uh, by the Barbatos' weapon, the, that mace or whatever it's called. I forget what it's called, but it is...
2: Man, I gotta say, uh, Miki's got like an ML, MLB-level throwing arm.
3: Dude, and what's wild is I know he's, he's synced in with the Barbatos, but zero-G battling in space in a mobile suit is not an easy with task. No beam,
2: with no beam weapons,
3: and, once again. And no previous experience. Yep. <laughs> it's like this is his first zero G battle. You do not see him struggle at all. He is a natural. I mean, and granted, he's got the whiskers, but he is a natural when it comes to fighting in, in in zero G. And he's up against guys who have been trained in fighting in zero G uh, battle conditions, and he's wasting them. <laughs> and it's it's a scary sight. Like uh, Mika is completely capable, and um, you know they. it's a beast. He's a beast. The the tactic of them slingshotting around that meteorite, by the way, was fantastic. Uh, uh, the 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 fact that uh, yo Eugene was uh so upset that he didn't get to like uh, play an active role in the battle, and then um old uh old Orga puts him to work by sending him out there to hook the ship. It's like wow, what a tense scene. <laughs> I thought he was really going to screw up, but he managed to, to uh, unleash the ship at right at the right moment, so that way they could slingshot their way to victory and uh, shoot the shit out of uh, old Orca's ship. It was a nice, close call, and the way they set that scene up was fantastic, especially when they blasted the shit out of Orcus. <laughs> it, was, it was great. Overall, you can see that they saved money for this episode from the previous episode, which is why the budget last episode was so bad. This episode yeah. definitely makes up for it. And yeah, um, I, these, these kids are well on their way to, uh, to go into Earth. That, that scene at the very end where, uh, they open up that, uh, space. What is it? That, 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 that cargo, uh, box and inside is space Hitler and uh, written on his, uh, stomach is a message saying, we, we no longer need this guy. You can have him or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> written in perfect English. And, um, the fact that they let that guy live blew my mind, I thought they would have airlocked his ass as soon as they possibly could have, but it, they 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 kind of did by putting him in that that container, but
2: yeah he deserved the galactica spacing oh, i
3: I thought they were going to end him I, I honestly thought that organ would have put two in his temple, but uh <laughs>
2: no, he would have had Mika do it, he gonna get his hands dirty yeah
3: true mika Mika had his hands full, sadly, but uh if Mika was on that on that bridge, he would have been done there would have been no question but um yeah man overall an exhilarating episode and i just i had to uh appreciate the irony of the fact that they're fighting their way off a planet as opposed to trying to fight their way to one so i really enjoyed that and um it was a uh, top notch from top to bottom man i'll pass it back to you well
2: there's not anything i could really disagree with or add to there mm-hmm there definitely is a uh, higher budget at work in this episode with the combat animation and it's great to see Mika adapt very quickly to fighting in space because of the Elias system which is mentioned as having giving expanded spatial awareness to the pilots. Where where have we heard that before? Oh yeah. <laughs> I think Ein is going to end up being the loser villain of this series because he's still all upset about Crank, mm-hmm. but then he loses his shit when Akihiro launches in a Gray's Kai that turns out to be a repaired version of Crank's suit. Oh, yeah. So Ein loses his shit and accomplishes nothing. Yeah, it was good to see
3: Akihiro piloting the Gray's because that's the first time we've seen him actually... I've uh, seen another character that's on the side of uh, the uh, Tekadon in a mobile suit outside of... Um Outside of uh, Mika, so it was, it, and I guess they might be acquiring other uh, mobile suits along the way too for
2: the other pilots. So it'd be interesting to see how that plays out. And good on Orga for being prepared and anticipating attacks and anticipating betrayal because uh, Toto fails miserably mm-hmm. and gets uh, sent off to Gallerhorn <laughs> and they manage to adapt to their situation of using the asteroid to swing around and get themselves to safety. So good on you, Orga. And as for the fight, uh, you know, again a solid effort by Mika and adapting to space very quickly, so I'm eager to see what kind of new skills he'll develop once he gets to Earth. And obviously we're only five episodes in, it'll be a pretty long journey to get to Earth, I would say. Oh yeah. Yeah, if we're lucky it's probably gonna end up being like half the series.
3: <laughs> I would hope they get there by midway point, but uh who knows <laughs>
2: yeah we shall see mm-hmm. so why don't you give us your rating to close out this segment so bro
3: this episode was almost as good as episode 3 to me I'd definitely give it a 4.5 slingshot attacks uh, uh, slingshot starship attacks out of 5 bright Noah would have been proud
2: I'm going to give this one 4 get your ass off Mars from 5 <laughs> get your ass to- back to Earth <laughs> to go with the theme exactly so that's gonna wrap it up for this segment. But oh, but wait! First, uh, Sober, before we go, mm-hmm. um, why don't we get Neo's thoughts on on the orphans? Neo, what do you think? Great, thank you. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Poor Neo. I'm sure he's enjoying the show. Uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully, we'll hear from him soon on that too.
2: Yeah. So we'll have more reviews in the future but again we're going to be doing it in the five episode installments so schedule wise uh, we might end up having another one before the year is out mm-hmm. maybe not depends uh, when we're recording and if not then we'll probably start the year with another review segment but we'll take a quick break and be right back to Gundam at MHQ mm-hmm. Blue!
1: What? A formal apology. You will kowtow, you will step and fetch. Frank, if you think you can get me... Just used to it, it's the way of the world. If you're so hot on discipline then gun... Damn it, start by accepting mine. Because contrary to popular opinion, I'm the head... Uh- ...in charge. Come on, let's get something. You really think you're bad, don't you?
4: Are you a fan of Gundam, Robotech, or Transformers? Well, you should check out Gundam at any A wonderful source to learn about the Autobots. Yes, and once I learn about them, I will be the leader of the Decepticons. What was
1: that, Starscream?
4: Nothing, Lord Megatron. Nothing at all.
3: we're looking for a few good new types. Over the last couple of months, the Gundam Nation has been getting together to play Mobile Suit Gundam Extreme Versus. We call those sessions EX versus the Gundam Nation. But We as a group recently upgraded to the sequel to Extreme Versus, known as Full Boost. We're inviting you to come on out and play the new game with us. Even if you don't have the game, you can watch our live stream and also join in the conversation that we hold on Skype during the stream as well. It's not only a gaming session, but a social event for mecha and anime fans as well. If you have the game, you can add the PSN ID, The Gundam Nation, which is the tag that we use to network all the players for the sessions. Also, make sure to add to your Skype the contact of Shinjuku-Station. So you can have a chance to join the Skype conversation during the stream if you want to watch the stream live. Make sure to head on over to twitch.tv fightersready fighters ready and follow us there so you can be alerted to when our streams begin. If you missed any of our sessions, head over to youtube.com GundamMAHQ and you'll find a lot of our sessions that we've already had archived there. Just be in mind that the conversations held in these sessions may not be safe for work. For more details on the event, make sure you visit Gundam.net and click on the EX vs. the Gundam Nation section. If you enjoy the game, the podcast, or Gundam in general, then you owe it to yourself to come on out to EX vs. the Gundam Nation. We'll see you
0: there. for you. Your father wanted you to have this when you were old enough, but your uncle wouldn't allow it. He feared you might follow old Obi-Wan on some damn fool idealistic crusade like your father did.
3: Welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ You've been listening to episode 172 Where we sat down and reviewed The first five episodes Of Mobile Suit Gundam Iron-Blooded Orphans and I hope you guys uh, if you guys don't know where to find it you can definitely watch it if you're in America oh, sorry let me fix my face if you're in North America you can watch it over on daiski.net every Sunday they drop episodes Sunday morning you can get on top of that and check out the show uh, if you live in other parts of the world it's over on the YouTube channel of Gundam Info and at Gundam.info you can check that out and watch the show there for free uh, while, while it lasts up there but um many thanks to you guys uh listening to the episode today we ran out of time we went kind of long on the uh iron-blooded orphans uh segment so we won't be doing mailbag tonight but um stay tuned for a future episode we'll definitely get mailbag knocked out in fine fashion uh before we go chris any uh qu- anything you wanted to bring up no oh well well uh shout out to neil our co- uh, co-host abroad And uh, look forward to his return to the show. And uh, before uh, we check out, make sure to check out these websites. Head on over to where the magic happens, mahq.net. Visit there for reviews of many Mecha related animes and manga series. Also, join the conversation at mahq's official forums at mechatalk.net, where you can find forums for this show and other mahq and Shinjuku Station podcasts. There, you can comment on the thread for this episode or others and submit questions for future podcasts. If you're looking for previous episodes of Gundam at MAHQ, look no further than Gundam.net, where you can also find information on all of our previous episodes. Also find us on iTunes by using the keyword Gundam, and make sure to subscribe and leave us a review. After listening to our show, your next stop should be Chaos Theater, MAHQ's podcast that focuses on other facets of nerddom outside of Mecca. Hosted by the webmaster of MAHQ, Gundam's own Chris Guanche, and the pedal Bear of the South, Tomopop's own Pedro Cortez, you can tune into the show at chaostheater.blogspot.com and on iTunes by searching for Chaos Theater. Don't forget that we're also on YouTube, where you can not only find our previous episodes, but extra content as well. Subscribe to these channels when you have time, youtube.com slash Gundam MAHQ. YouTube.com slash Chaos Theater YouTube.com slash Fighters Ready. YouTube.com slash Shin Fight Tube. And YouTube.com slash Shinjuku Station. Last but not least, make a beeline to Shinjuku Station's home for live streaming. That's tinyurl.com slash Station. Every week we stream live with anime commentaries like Shoji Romero's Anime Movie Night and live podcasts like our new show, Barbecue Night. Don't sleep. Head on over to tinyurl.com/shinstation and follow us to keep up with all our future live streams as well as archives of our most recent sessions. And that's it for this episode of Gundam at MAHQ. We'll see you guys next episode.
4: Be making any more of the Star Wars films together? One more. We do one, one
1: more, right. One more. The, the name of it is?
4: The Revenge of the Jedi.
1: Revenge of the Jedi. And Paul's looking forward to it, I know. And I am too, because uh, we finish off the trilogy, then we go back 20 years, and we do the story of young Darth Vader and young, the young Alec Guinness character. And in the third film, which precedes Star Wars, you see...
0: Like a prequel.
1: That's right. Mm -hmm. uh, Luke is about five or six years old, so I don't know, maybe one of your uh, Blue Peter viewers will be up for the role.
4: (laughs) (laughs) I have lots of people wanting to audition now, I'm sure.
3: At MAHQ is a... Shinjuku station. And MAHQ.net joint.
0: Yep. Uh, Here you go. I'm going to interview you about The Force okay. Awakens. It's a movie. You're both Are you po- I have to pee really to bad. That's why this is
2: happening. Excuse me. Yep.
4: But I did not ever hear your last name mentioned in the movie.
2: You didn't?
1: Did you? I'm Poe Dameron. Yeah.
4: Do you remember ever <laughs> being a general when we were together?
1: You were a general. I was. I had to do a reshoot where I said she doesn't yeah, like being called. Because, because yeah. but we didn't we didn't use it though. We didn't use it because nobody would believe it.
4: This is upsetting. Okay.
1: Nobody so, would believe that you have that discipline.
4: Wait, uh, was there anything particularly researched or inspired? Nothing. Yes. Uh, I was inspired oh, and researched. Been nominated. Ooh. Uh When you're that you brought your character to life. What? Your process. That
1: wasn't a sentence. Wait, wait, what? what
4: <laughs>
1: that was not a sentence. What
4: inspired Paul? What not in- Edgar process. Allen, by the way.
1: What was my process? Um, I did oh, I did oh. some mask work. Did you do
4: like a kind of a ballet, though? I did some
1: mask Hello. work. I wore a dance belt.
4: This is what we did Alexander every day. I used the Alexander technique saw- to get me what? situated. how good looking. Um, but what did I say? Yeah. not a Pilots.
1: Pilots. I read about pilots and piloting. I read about what it felt like to be in a a, jet. Yeah. I read about what if, yeah. What about you? What research did you do?
4: I asked uh, the early young Carrie Fisher what it would be like 48 years (laughs) later. Oh, wait, it's 40. What What did that young woman say? She's not speaking to me. She was very busy and she was very partying, busy. partying, and makes sure that I would look like shit later. She had her mouth. So, and I don't mean shit. By shit, I mean not as good as in the other sense.
1: By shit, you mean so, feces.
4: did you get into character, and are you out now?
1: I'm out. Uh, I, I want to <laughs> tell everyone that I'm out now, uh, of character.
4: <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> I'm out of character okay. now. and, uh, and I just, I just and, I'm just... I love oh, hey, being ma'am. in
0: between this your
4: I just I, This is an amazing your energy I like
0: being part
1: of this Remember he, he would hang out in your trailer I really
4: liked his uncle. He was my age and you even got him a camp. You did.
1: Yeah, he's in the movie. I mean, kind of.
0: He's, in, he's a cameo in the movie, right?
1: You I mean, I don't know. But there? I wouldn't Is say. Collected? I'd say. I'd say he's a featured extra.
4: A featured extra. extra extraordinaire.
1: Extra. A featured extraordinaire. That's
4: good. Extra extraordinary. Extra extraordinaire. Extra. Hold on. Let me. Let me help. Let me help. I liked that one though. That's a good one, right? Are you collecting yourself as merchandising? I yeah, doubt. you
1: can drink uh, yogurt out of my head.
4: You can? Yeah. I love what flavor? You, I asked you that for a long time ago. I know, but oh they hadn't, they hadn't
1: figured out the technology.
4: You you, they don't <laughs> this guy literally go, this goes, I don't, I don't really know what's happening. Uh, I'm being, distant, all, right. all
1: right. I'm going to go down. pee.